1: Um, I hope you're enjoying... Have you,
2: have you recovered from the weekend, <laughs> Aj? <Ajay? laughs> well, it depends. There's two parts to the weekend. One was an incredible nightmare, and the other was actually relaxing and nice. Uh, and then I realized we had to do a show today and explained... And we had... It is our job... We are blessed to have jobs, but it is our unfortunate due job to explain... To all of this wonderful listener base, I don't know how many there are, what in the hell happened Saturday night in one of the worst collapse, no, excuse me, the worst collapse in Aggie men's basketball history? Worst. People talk about the uh, Pacific game. Uh, you, You remember this game, February 12, 2005, Aggies are up eight with 38 seconds remaining. And then Pacific goes on an eleven-two run, and they win at sixty-four, sixty-three on a jumper on the right wing, and they beat Utah State and stun the Spectrum, and they remain. They go to fifteen and zero on the season. Um, this trumps that by a incredibly large, wide margin, in so many ways. And you and I have the due responsibility uh, to explain to our listeners what we saw from our glasses. And our eyes and and to try to break this down and uh, relive a horrid nightmare for the Valley. And that sounds dramatic, but it really is that bad of a loss. Because A, it takes you out of any at-large bid. Whatever hopes and dreams and chances you had for an at-large bid, let me get this very clear for each and every one of you. There is no chance anymore. It is gone. It is, it is crushed. It is ashes. It is no longer existing. Forget it. If you want to go to the NCAA tournament, you got to win three in a row in March, in Vegas. And that includes, you're probably going to have to beat San Diego State at some point. And right now, it's looking like you might to have to beat him in the first round. Or, I mean, in after that bye game, or whatever the heck it is. I,
1: I agree. Uh, sadly, I, I think that it all comes... Now, the rest of the season only comes down to three days in March. For Utah State basketball, they've lost four out of their last five games. And while the games and the wins over Florida and LSU look nice because both those teams are playing good basketball right now, Utah State is not. Um, and, uh, there are big question marks about this team. Uh, it last night, last night, Saturday night illustrated a few things that we've been saying for a little while here that Sam Merrill may be the conference player of the year. Nami Keda means more to the Utah State Aggie basketball team. When he fouled out, that's when Boise State started to make their run, shortly after that. Utah State couldn't stop him. Utah State needed just one thing, one, just one thing to go their way in that last five minutes. Just one more made free throw. Just one less Turnover. Just one additional rebound, just one made field goal. Their points were all at the free throw line. They couldn't get the ball in the bucket. Just one more defensive stop. Pick any one of those. They didn't need that cumulative. You pick any one of those, and they still win the game. Uh, the baffling, Aj.
2: Baffling. I, I was. Bes- I could not believe what I was watching. Well, that's the thing is, is Eric, we were, the Aggies were up 18 with four minutes and change to spare. They were up 16 with about three minutes and change to spare. And then it all went to complete hell. Like all of a sudden Brock Miller on a two on one loses the basketball because he tries a fake dosi doe do pass and it bounces off his leg, goes the other way, gets to be a two point play, comes back on the other side. Brock misses a wide open three. Dennis knocks down a three on the other side. All of a sudden, this thing is down to six. Then Brito, who has struggled mightily and looked incredibly rattled, throws a baseline bounce pass that bounces out of bounds before it even gets to the guy. That's a turnover. And then we we all look at that five minute or I mean that, that five point uh, barrage uh, where they got the butt or me, where Dennis got the three and then Brito goes to take it out and doesn't even take the opportunity to scan the court rushes his pass to Bean, where there's a Boise guy sitting practically right in front of him, makes a steal, lays it in, and Bean's the only one to contest it. Nobody fouls him to challenge him at the rim. You make him go to the line to shoot two free throws. You force him to go to the line to hit two free throws to tie that game. If he makes him good on him, if he doesn't, get a rebound and get out of there. Bean's the only one to challenge that bucket. I could almost just say, I mean, it was a major collapse. But my question to you, Eric, who do you blame more? The players for not executing or for the coach not putting in the right substitutions or calling timeouts or trying to stop the momentum?
1: That's a great
2: question. And, and I don't know that you can point at anyone specific because yeah, no, you I think it's,
1: it's equal.
2: 435-339-0321 if you want to text in uh, and share your thoughts on this. This is, this is this conversation is going to go on for a while. Uh, Craig Smith, Prestor at 430. I'll head over there, grab the audio, bring it back to Eric, who will play it for you. Again, 435-339-0321 if you want to text, text in, or 435-752-1069 if you want to call in and share your thoughts on an absolute collapse of a loss. Now the Aggies, by the way, we got to look forward, to because we don't have a lot of time to dwell on Eric. We got to play Air Force tomorrow who wiped us on the floor at Clune Arena just two weeks ago by 19. And they got to go play Air Force now and then get ready for Colorado State on Saturday night. There's not a lot of time to dwell on this, but you got to think that these kids are, I mean, uh, at least just rattled still, at least a little bit from this loss. Oh, absolutely. I mean, that was when
1: uh... (sighs) so many different ways to take this. I think when Boise State was making their run, it still kind of looked like Utah State. They weren't panicking. It looked like they felt like just the the image was the 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 perception for me was that from an Aggie perspective, we've got this nice lead. We've got a, a comfortable lead. We just got to make a few plays. We'll get this done. We'll we'll take care of business. Go to the free throw line, make our free throws, we'll be okay. But everything that could go wrong did go wrong for USU. Everything that had to go right did go right for Boise. We talked about this before the other night, AJ. going into this game. Games in Boise between Utah State and Boise State are almost always wacky. There's always some crazy way that the game ends. Four minutes to go, it looked like, okay the streak is going to be broken <laughs> this is going to be a traditional blowout win utah state in control get it done but i don't know aj maybe i think there should be some blame on the coaches for um not maybe making some changes to, to find the right combination of guys not having a better defensive presence to get one more one additional stop for making a a game plan offensively, adjustments to ensure you get a bucket. They didn't
2: score any field goals, Ajay, in the last couple of minutes of the game. From five oh, here's the thing: from like the six minute mark to the end of the game, Boise State didn't miss a field goal. <laughs> from five oh three to the end, sorry, from six oh three to about halfway through overtime, Boise State didn't miss a field goal. From five oh three to about halfway through overtime, Utah State didn't make a field goal. There are issues all over the place on this on this Utah State team, defensively and offensively. Bad decisions, offensive, resulting in turnovers or missed, bad missed shots. By the way, Um, and then defensively, look the closeout on Dennis from Porter. I thought was there. You don't want to foul him shooting a three pointer, but when he, someone gets a steal and you have to challenge him at the rim, and it's the only guy that's actually behind. The, the I guess the guy shooting the layup is that's just horrible. It's not good. I mean this is this is an absolute debacle of all sorts when you blow an eighteen point lead firmly in control and then you let down your guard like that. I was I was just stunned. <laughs> What's also
1: stunning? Boise State essentially scores forty two points. Yep, in the last nine, ten minutes of the game when you include overtime. Yep. Utah State was up sixty four to forty eight. At uh well, Utah State was up sixty four to forty six with five and a half to go. Sam Merrill, that was the last made field goal okay. for Utah State. Gosh. In regulation. Six forty six is that what you just told me? Five thirty five. Five thirty five. It was sixty four to forty six. Boise State ends up winning the game eighty eight to eighty three. Utah State gave up
2: 42 points. Yeah. Um, I'm going to head over to the presser. You'll get audio. Eric will have the audio. I'm going to email him as soon as I possibly can. As soon as we're done, you'll hear from Coach Smith. Um, you might even hear from a player. Uh, as they uh, recap the Boise loss, they will be asked to recap the Boise loss. We, we will get that out of them. And then uh, we'll also get uh, a preview, a quick preview on Air Force. Uh, tomorrow night, 9 o'clock, you can get pregame here, of course, on our sister station on 6 KV. And you, Eric will be back. All right. I can't wait for this. People want answers. I love what you told me because I was like, hey, I, I want to go to the press store. What do you think? And you said something really poignant. You said this you said, this valley, this community and the Aggie fans want answers. That's what you told me. And I was like, great. Let's do it then. So I'm gonna, we're, we're going to try and go get answers out of Craig Smith to see what happened. Uh, and I'll send you that audio. And, and Eric will play that immediately. You'll hear this press conference on 106 on the fan. Nowhere else will it have it except for us. Uh, One hundred six on the fan 13.9 a m so I'll, I'll get that about, press conference starts about four thirty. I'll get that to May s a p so all right, get out of here. He's gonna leave right now. Shut the door
1: <laughs> so yeah, uh, we're all baffled. We all want to hear what Craig Smith has to say. How do you explain this? I've never witnessed anything like that before in my life i I've never seen the team. I've seen comebacks before. I've seen teams make valiant efforts before. Heck, we've seen Utah State do that this just this season with the comeback against LSU. But that was over a longer period of time that they fought back. They made their adjustments at halftime and started chipping away and chipping away. As uh, Coach Smith would say, they just kept chopping wood. Uh, NBA, ne- next best action. And over time, they started to get things going their way and They took momentum and held on and kept it and were able to win that game. This was in reverse and on steroids. Uh, Never before have I seen anything like this before. All they needed was one stop, one more made free throw, one less turnover, one defensive stop. Uh, But this has been an issue we've talked about quite a bit, is uh, bench play. Um, You've got... Keda goes in goes out there and plays pretty well. I mean, twelve points, six boards, an assist and a block, but he does foul out. And there's not a lot more that comes off the bench that really contributes a heck of a whole lot. I mean, there were guys that were doing things in in different ways, but you only get nine points out of your bench. Uh you had seven turnovers from your bench. There needs to be more consistency coming off of uh, off the bench, and, and Sean Berstow's is a guy that looks like you know, he's had a couple of games coming off the bench where he's looked pretty good. Uh, he only played in four minutes, um, had one rebound and a turnover himself, but you know, Diogo Brito, he's kind of the Swiss Army knife for Utah State. He does a lot of things. I'm a big Brito fan. Gosh, they need more offensively out of him. And, not, and I'm not just to pick on him, but there's a lot of other guys that just haven't been performing like we would expect them to be at this level. It's this team, but all these guys that are back in this system. It's not something new. It's not trying to adjust to a new system, a new coach. The core of this team is the same. Uh, it's hard. I mean, what do you do? <laughs> what do you do? At some point, the, I think the coaches are like, look, this is who we are. This is what we have. Um, do you, At what point do you say, all right, it's time to plan for the future and we're going to develop our younger guys more? Uh, I mean, it doesn't help when you're... Quote unquote star three point shooter goes 0 for 3 and only gives you four points. Brock Miller. Uh, and you don't get a lot of help off your bench. I mean, Anderson played some minutes. A lot of those were, a lot more of those minutes were in the overtime. But, uh, yeah, Trevandorius didn't play much. We didn't see Cuba at all. So, uh, hard, hard to figure out what happened. I can't tell you how many different times people have approached me and said, what happened? Why did that happen? We're all searching for answers. How is it that Utah State lets a freshman come off the bench that nobody really knows about and does some crazy things? And, I mean, they – they held their stars in check for portions of the game, but then they had some other guys that weren't expecting play very well. That has been the life of Utah State in the Mountain West this year. Uh, they don't seem to be the same team since the start of the year. Uh, they've lost four of the last five. Two of those were were blowouts. They didn't look like they needed to. They even belonged to be on the same court. And uh, what happened on Saturday felt like a blowout. You have the lead. You have a five-point lead with 10 seconds to go. You lose the game. Unbelievable. We'll get into more of that a little bit later on. We'll hear the comments from Coach uh, Craig Smith. I don't know if we'll we'll hear from players or not we know this team is searching for answers too as they should be but this there's something very different about this utah state team and we haven't been able to put our finger on it this year compared to last um is it the ketta factor uh, having him on the court or or not on the court yes that certainly makes a difference but look what they did in the pre conference in the pre preseason they didn't have Keta then when they played against LSU and when they played against Florida. Yes, they could have used him in the game against St. Mary's and BYU. Maybe those games go a little bit differently, but this just doesn't seem like it's the same team as the uh, those teams that that won those games. Uh, certainly, I think that the confidence may be a little bit rattled. Their 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 grit. Maybe a little bit rattled, not quite the same. But uh this is a team that in two different stretches of the game went ice cold. It started early or should be late in the first half with about two minutes to go. And uh Utah goes up uh thirty eight to to nineteen. Look like they have a nice cushion, they're they're playing well. And uh, then they go cold. Don't score again until early in the uh, second half. Then it happened again late in the the second half. So being able to get automatic points is something this team has uh, struggled with at times. And and you know what? It's great. I mean, Utah State sends out the release today. Oh, Utah State is in the top 10 in all these different categories. doesn't matter. Winning is what matters. It's great that they're good at the free-throw line. It's great that they have uh, this rebounding margin, and it's great that they have these assists. But if they're not winning games, does that really matter? Anyway, love to get your thoughts. What do you think needs to change, if anything, for this Utah State basketball team? They've got Air Force coming into town tomorrow night. It needs to be a quick turnaround and um this is a team that's looking for some re- some redemption there but uh love to get your thoughts on what happened on Saturday night up in Boise feel free to text in the phone line the the text number is 435-339-0321 that's 435-339-0321 your reactions to what happened Saturday night and what, if anything, needs to be changed for Utah State to have any kind of a respectable season from this point going forward? And do you think, is there is there any chance this team still makes it to the NCAA? 435-339-0321. I would love to get your thoughts on that. A lot of other things to get through tonight. We also had a, a pretty interesting weekend in the... Championship football games in the AFC and the NFC. Who won? Who's moving on to the Super Bowl? Who Who do you like now based off of uh, who we know the matchup is going to look like? Uh, Region 11, basketball standings updated from the games that happened over this past week. We'll look at those. Utah Jazz, they're in action tonight taking on the Indiana Pacers. Uh, Boyan Bogdanovich, his former team, he's playing well right now. He's going to have a chip on his shoulder. And uh, Mike Connolly back in the mix for the Jazz as well. Perfect timing? Or will it start to disrupt some things that the Jazz have been doing well? Uh, so we'll look at those things. We'll update you on what happened in our Pick 6 and some Utah State football players in action over this past weekend. And a few more will be in action this coming weekend. So we'll discuss all of that on who's playing where and how you can follow along. All that's coming up next right here on the Full Court Press, 106.9 FM, 1390 AM, The Fan. It's the
0: Full Court Press, weekday afternoons from 4 to 6 on Sports Talk Radio, 106.9 FM, 1390 AM, The Fan.
1: Welcome back to the Full Court Press. Eric Franson, Ajay Salveson. Though A.J. is on his way to Utah State, Coach Craig Smith will be meeting with the media this afternoon to talk about Air Force and to try to make sense of what happened in Boise over the weekend. We'll hear from, uh, from him a little bit later on in the show. We'll have that full audio coming up a little bit later on, um, most likely in the 5 o'clock hour, so stay tuned for that coming up. Uh, still trying to make sense of what happened. But, uh, it was an interesting weekend for football. We had, uh, two championship games on Sunday the AFC championship game and the NFC championship game. And uh, were you surprised? I mean, the teams that won or the, the teams that we predicted would win when we were doing our own predictions on Friday, we predicted it would be 49ers and, and the Kansas City Chiefs. Um, uh, but it kind of went how we thought it would, uh, to be honest. I mean, the, the Titans tried to make it interesting, but uh, give a lot of credit to that Kansas City team and the adjustments they made at halftime. And uh, they, didn't, they They tried to chew up clock, ball control, clock control, but Kansas City can score so quickly and have so many div- dynamic weapons. Um, they didn't need the ball a lot of times. But you look at this uh, the game and how it unfolded, Tennessee jumps out early and uh and they they have this 10 nothing lead and then Kansas City just proceeds to keep pouring it on and one run right after the other um and uh this they I mean Tennessee did score another touchdown early in the second quarter but um they're up 17 to 7 and it looks like this is this is going to be Tennessee's way and Here's another example of how Tennessee plays Kansas City tough, and they just have their number. But Tyreek Hill has a big-time big play. Uh, Mahomes uh, tucks the ball and and runs it in near the end of uh, just before the half. Then they come out, and uh, neither team really does much in the third quarter. But then Kansas City gets going again with a couple more touchdowns in the fourth quarter to really put it out of reach. Uh, And uh, Tennessee tries to come back, but... It's just too much and not enough time to do it. They're just not built to come back quite that same way. But um, boy, that uh, Kansas City team—a uh, lot of different weapons, uh, a lot of different ways they can do it—and of course, uh, a lot of praise coming after the game and in the days since for uh, for uh, their their head coach Andy Reid and what he does to to prepare the team. Just how this is a guy who's he's been in the playoffs a lot. But he's only made had one trip to the Super Bowl. and That was when he was the Philadelphia Eagles, and that one didn't go very well. They just didn't seem to be nearly as prepared uh, to be there and just didn't seem to have everything dialed in. This will be interesting to see how he looks in two weeks. But uh, Patrick Mahomes, after the game on Sunday, uh, really heaping a lot of praise on his head coach.
3: Coach Reed puts us in situations where you have to you have to not be in the in the exact opportune or that advantage uh to your way. It's an advantage defense and he wants you to go out there and succeed. And so he he let us know before the game if, if we got into certain yard lines that we were gonna go for it, if we get to the fourth and shorts and stuff like that. And so whenever I think you could see the process of it, we, we got out there, the first play I didn't like, so we went there, called a timeout, went in changed the play and got it to a play that we liked.
1: Boy, there was Mahomes himself was fantastic. I mean, you got to remember this kid's only early twenties, so he's going to have a long, successful career. It looks like if he doesn't get injured. You always worry about a quarterback who gets out like he does uh, at times that um, he could get rolled up on or or smashed pretty hard, and it changes his whole trajectory. But but uh, he had, that scramble that he had for the touchdown, uh, running off to the to the left side, getting pursued pauses for just a second and looks off like he might throw it before he hits the, the line of scrimmage. And that freezes uh, the Tennessee linebacker. And that allows him to get enough of a break to get the edge, to get past him down the sideline and then into the end zone. Uh, and, and that touchdown really there, I felt, made the big difference for Kansas City. All the momentum going into the into the locker room. They now have the lead after being down and uh, everything seemed to be swinging more for Kansas City after that play, a 27-yard uh, scramble uh, for uh, Patrick Mahomes. But um, this is a team that, kind of like the Aggies of a few years ago, where they don't need a lot of time, it doesn't really matter where they are on the field, they have the potential to make big plays and score uh, quickly if they want to. Uh, that's not to say that they can't also slow it down and be more ball control and conservative. That was uh, early in the fourth quarter, what they did actually it started in the third and it carried over into the fourth. They had that long scoring drive, seventy three yards, chewed up over seven minutes a clock. So it's a it's a team that definitely has that ability to go either way if they want to, if they need to. And uh, again, after the game, it was this time Travis Kelsey, the the dynamic tight end for the Chiefs, heaping a lot of praise on his head coach Andy Reid.
0: I love Coach Reid, man. He's he's definitely a part of the motivation. You know we're uh, we're sick of hearing what the uh, what the media says about him, how he can't get the big one done. And, uh, you know what we uh, we knocked one off the list, got the Lamar Hunt Trophy back here in uh, in Kansas City for the Hunt family, and you know what we still got one more uh, one more goal to knock off the list.
1: Andy Reid is one of only eight coaches in NFL history with 200 wins. Uh, he's 14 and 14 in the playoffs. He's had his teams uh, with Kansas City, a lot of close games that they've been in that just haven't been able to get over the hump. They had the overtime game a year ago. Uh, they they had a lot of close uh, games where they just weren't able to get things done. They blew a 38-10 third-quarter lead uh, to the Colts a few years ago, lost 45-44. to uh, There was a game-tying two-point conversion against the Steelers. It was called back for holding. They eventually lose that game, 18-16, to uh they had that 21 to 3 halftime lead uh against the titans in 2017 so this is a this is a team under Andy Reid that's been in a lot of games close games in the playoffs uh but they're playing at a different level right now uh, not the best overall record in the NFL this season but with a healthy Patrick Mahomes and a lot of weapons around him boy they're dynamic and they uh they've got a lot of different things that that they can hit you with uh, great wide receivers uh, great uh, running back. So they didn't particularly run the ball really well. Uh, Mahomes had that one scramble for 25, 29 yards. Uh, I guess it was 27 yards. But, um, I mean, Damian Williams only had 45 yards on the day. As a team, they had 112. Um, but uh, look what they did to stifle uh, Derrick Henry and the type of uh, playoff run he was having. They totally uh, shut him down and that, Totally, but compared to what he was averaging, well below what he was doing to his, in his uh, two previous playoff appearances, they held him to 69 yards, and really he didn't have very many touches at all in the second half. That's not necessarily for to, to put the blame on him, as perhaps it is on some of the coaching decisions that happened. But a great game for Kansas City, so now they're going to the playoffs. Or excuse me, going to the Super Bowl. And then the other game was in the NFC Championship game between the 49ers and the Green Bay Packers. Two uh, storied programs, a lot of trophies between the two of them uh, in their display cases, and a lot of success. You got dynamic uh, playmakers on both sides of the ball for both teams. But this one was all 49ers. And uh, really, you can say it was not just all 49ers. Uh, this was all Raheem Mostart. Um, and uh, this was a guy that just could not be denied. Here's a guy that uh, had been played on seven different teams and wasn't able to really uh, stick anywhere, but he's had a, a resurrection with what was going on with the 49ers.
0: True eye, they're going to run it again. Wide stretch
3: run to Mostert, gets the edge left, cuts back inside. Raheem
0: Mostert has four rushing touchdowns. for Raheem Mostert as he passes Colin Kaepernick. He now has 196 yards rushing and four rushing
3: touchdowns.
1: Incredible. Absolutely incredible for a guy that uh, had bounced around the league, uh, struggled to stick anywhere, Uh, Niners needed some help at the running back position. He comes in and rushes for 220 yards, four touchdowns, and, uh, Jimmy Garoppolo was a bystander. <laughs> he was, he didn't do hardly anything and didn't need to. I mean, he did throw for 77 yards on eight attempts, but my gosh, when you have a guy that's doing that kind of a work, uh, why mess things up? Uh, so it's great, uh, game planning and, uh, and execution by Kyle Shanahan. Here's another coach that's been a part of some meltdowns and has a hard, has Had some uh, tough history in the playoffs. He was with the Atlanta Hawks, uh, excuse me, the Atlanta Falcons, when they had that epic meltdown in the Super Bowl. He was the offensive coordinator that season just a few years ago. So he knows what it's like to be there and, and be close and just not be able to get it done. But uh, this Niners team looking very, very solid. Aaron Rodgers, give him some credit for what he was trying to do, but that uh, 49ers defense was harassing him. A lot. Uh, that uh, great defensive front, pressure defense, uh, made it tough for him. Uh, he did throw for 326 yards, two touchdowns, but he did have two interceptions, sacked three times, and, uh, and it was just a, a little bit different situation for them. I mean, Devontae Adams still was a big target. He himself has had an incredible postseason, but just not quite enough uh, for the, uh, the the Packers. And This is a team... Uh, the uh, the 49ers that, uh, <laughs> like we said, Raheem Mostert uh, did an amazing job doing what he needed to do, uh carrying the ball and uh, not giving it up. And they're talking a little bit after the game about how he's bounced around in the league a little bit and how exciting it is to have the type of game that he, da- he did in a very meaningful game.
4: Crazy that I've been on seven different teams. I actually still have – um you know the cut dates, and I look at that every, every before every game. I look at the cut dates. Uh, when I got cut, um, you know, been on, like I said, been on seven different teams, and the journey has been crazy. You know, not even, not, not everybody can can deal with that type of stress and and uh, pain and agony that I went through. Um, but I, like I said, I just I kept the faith in not only myself, but whoever gave me the opportunity, and this organization has done a great job with that.
1: Incredible. Wow, I mean, what a story about perseverance and sticking to it and uh, keep working hard to try to achieve your dreams, making the adjustments you need in your own style to uh, make it work for where you are. Uh, great story by Raheem Mostert. And then afterwards, uh, in addition to that, just as we said, an incredible game for him, 220 yards rushing, four touchdowns, and uh, all-time record for San Francisco and going down among the great performances in the playoffs in a conference championship game.
4: I'm still shocked. Like, I can't believe that Eric Dickerson is the ultimate, you know, running back. And it's a guy that I look up to. Um, even every, every, all the other running backs, you know, even with Frank Gore, you know, uh, to, to even be mentioned, you know, with somebody like Eric Dickerson, that, that's unbelievable. It is
1: unbelievable. It's, that's incredible what happened, uh, in that matchup on Sunday nights. And, uh, so, um, this is uh, going to be a great matchup, I think. Two really good teams. Uh, you've got a great, experienced coach who's been there before, head coach, and uh, Andy Reid. You've got a young, up-and-coming head coach that's uh, got a lot going for him, but has been to the Super Bowl and and it didn't go right for him last time he went there as a as an assistant, as a coordinator, trying to exercise his own demons of uh, Super Bowl past. Um, so, it, this will be a fun Super Bowl, I think. This is going to be an opportunity for some great uh, quarterbacks. Jimmy Garoppolo didn't have to do anything in the conference championship game, but he will likely need to be doing a little bit more uh, in the Super Bowl. I don't know that you can really re- rely on Raheem uh, Mostert to have the same type of performance as he did in the NFC championship game, but, man, Why not? <laughs> why not? So, uh, this will be fun. I, I think the early odds here are leaning more towards Kansas City, uh, in this one, but I think it's pretty close, uh, to see what the, where the, the odds makers, those that are putting money on the game, who they think is going to win this one. But, uh, I think it'll be entertaining. I think you've got two really good coaches. I think you've got, uh, dynamic playmakers on both sides of the ball. Uh, frankly, I kind of lean more towards San Francisco in this one because I think they have the more, dynamic defense, and I think that's what will make the difference ultimately in a Super Bowl. But um, I, either way, I'm excited for this matchup. I think you've got the um, the best teams at this point playing for it. Uh, I think it would have been interesting to see uh, Baltimore there, but since they're out, then I think these are the next two best options uh, based on the seasons that they had and the players that they have and, and the, all the other additional storylines going into it. So it's going to be on February 2nd. The uh, the San Francisco 49ers and the Kansas City Chiefs. And Super Bowl is going to be played down in Miami. All right, coming up next here on the Full Court Press, some additional thoughts about what happened there over this uh, past weekend. We'll also update you on the Region 11 standings for high school basketball. There are a couple of games into the region now. What do the standings look like? The latest RPI rankings are out for high school girls and boys basketball. We'll update you on those. Utah Jazz are in action tonight, taking on the Indiana Pacers. We'll get to all that ahead, coming up on the Full Court Press.
0: It doesn't matter who you root for, the Full Court Press has all the high school sports covered. The Full Court Press. Connect with us on Facebook, Twitter, and online at 1069thefan.com.
3: 50 years of waiting. 50 years. And the Chiefs are going to the Super Bowl. 18 seconds. They will count it down here at Arrowhead Stadium. The Chiefs' kingdom hoping, hoping, hoping their dreams have come true.
4: Hail, hail
3: to the king of the Chiefs' kingdom forever. Super Bowl, 54, final score,
1: Kansas City, 35, Tennessee, 24. Just give you chills listening to that, doesn't it? Uh, Kansas City is uh, opening as the odds on favorite, but it's very, very close. Uh, This uh, line was just set uh, late last night. And, um, of course, there's going to be a lot that's going to change between now and then. And this is, again, just for... Discussion purposes, nothing more. But uh, you have to also understand how these betting lines work. The, the uh, Vegas odds makers set a line to encourage people to bet. They want you to place money, is uh, to think if they think it's going to go one way or the other. However, that being said, it is pretty fascinating to see just how close these guys get it sometimes. Uh, but they've got Kansas City. They opened as a one and a half point favorite. And it's moved just a little bit. It's only a one point favorite now. Um, but, uh, the over under on this game is 54. And, uh, I actually, that's an interesting score. I think I, that's probably pretty close. If not, maybe I'd probably take the over on that based on these two teams and what they can do offensively. But in Super Bowls, crazy things can happen and it usually be, it comes down to more of a slugfest and a scoring is at a premium. So, anyway, that's what's going on. What you can expect in the Super Bowl that Sanf- Kansas City is the early odds-on favorites. Certainly, a lot of positive momentum and excitement for that franchise, and how close they've been the last few years, and how they seem to be—they just now have broken through. Got a head coach who's been there before. Seems to be learning a few things, doing things a little bit differently this time. Uh, but on the other hand, you've got a franchise that definitely knows what it's like to go to the Super Bowl and has been there many different times, has had some success. They've had some misses. Uh, but, uh, beyond, beyond that, this is, uh, I think San Francisco is a little bit more balanced team offensively and defensively. That could mean the, the difference for them. But, uh, anyway, I, I'm excited. I think this will be a lot of fun. The Pro Bowl will be this weekend and, uh, then the Super Bowl will be the following. Weekend uh speaking of quote unquote all stars uh there's some <laughs> because pro Bowl i guess is the all star game for the nFL though it really doesn't make a lot of sense to me that they still play that game uh but anyway just that's the way college or the nFL works but uh Utah State had some players involved with some uh post season opportunities there was the uh the uh, is, uh, East-West Shrine game that took place in St. Petersburg, Florida this past weekend. Dominic Everly performed in that, and uh, he did well. He was 2-of-2 two two on field goal attempts, 3-for-3 uh, three three on extra points. So certainly uh, adding to his resume and the things that he's able to do, creating uh, more attention as a potential NFL player, somebody that could certainly help out a roster. Uh, field goals were not Necessarily deep or ex- extraordinarily uh, challenging, but still, he was solid in what he did. It was a twenty 20- 28-yard field goal in the second quarter, and then he added a 26-yard field goal in the fourth, and he was a perfect 3-for-3 three three on extra points, And just as he has been in his entire career at Utah State. So uh, Dominic Everly doing very well in the East-West Shrine game over the weekend. Uh, and uh, Tipa Naliyai also participating in, in a bowl game of sorts. This was the NFLPA Collegiate All-Star Game. This game was played in Pasadena, California. In that one, he had two tackles, including a half of a sack. And uh, his his team won the game 30-20. to 20. So a uh, nice opportunity for both of those guys to uh, play among and with some of the better players of the game. In the country. And uh, have some opportunities to get noticed and get uh, coached. Uh, and uh, uh, additional work with some NFL scouts and get some additional attention and an additional film. So coming up this weekend, we've got a couple other games that are going on that will feature Utah State football players. Uh, Jordan Love will be participating in the Senior Bowl. And uh, that game is uh, probably a little more of the premier type uh, players that will be participating in, in that one. Uh, but he'll be participating in that. And, uh, and then the Hula Bowl, Gerald Bright will be doing that one. And that is in the, uh, that's actually being played in Hawaii. And, uh, he'll be able to participate in that bowl game. And so those will be coming up a little bit, uh, uh, later on this weekend. And, uh, more opportunities for those Aggie players to get noticed and to do some, uh, g- 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 well, get more work done with NFL scouts and NFL coaches. All right, coming up next here on the Full Court Press, we'll look at uh, what happened in Region 11 over this past weekend. What are the current standings, and uh, how are things going so far? Just a couple of games into region play for local high school for both the boys and the girls. I'll update you on that coming up next right here on the Full Court Press.
0: Northern Utah and Southern Idaho's home for sports. It's the Full Court Press on Sports Talk Radio, 106.9 FM, 1390 AM, The Fan.
1: Eric Franson with you here on a Monday. Breaking down some of the things that happened over this past weekend. We'll hear from Coach Craig Smith coming up next hour. He's meeting with the media right now. AJ is up there getting audio of that, and we'll be sharing that with you in a little bit here on the Full Court Press next hour as he tries to explain what what happened at Boise State. How in the world did that one get away from them? And then they've got Air Force coming into town, a team that dismantled Utah State at their place. USU looking for some redemption. Can they try to get some things back together, or will it be um, losing five of their last six? Hopefully not that. Uh, but uh, looking at some things that happened um, over the weekend, I just, again, want to repeat uh, when these, actually this coming up weekend, Jordan Love and the Reese's Bowl, the Senior Bowl, that's actually going to be Saturday, and it'll be on NFL Network. You can see that at 1230, and then Gerald Bright, he's going to be in the Hula Bowl. That'll actually be on Sunday, and that'll be on CBS Sports Network starting at 830 our time. If you wanted to tune in and watch those guys, and how well they do in those bowl games, respectively. Uh, That's what's going on and how you can follow those. Uh, Updates on what's going on with Region 11 High School Basketball. We had some interesting games this past weekend, and uh, their latest RPI rankings are out. The standings are out for the Utah High School Activities Association. You can read all about it on com. but Skyview remains the number one team in boys' basketball. continue to do well. Uh, They Playing very good basketball, the 12 and 2 overall, 3 and 0 in region play. Now remember, region standings don't mean the same thing as they used to. Yes, you still win your region and you get to say that you won the region, but it has no bearing on what your postseason looks like. So, uh, as we update the standings, we look at what does the overall RPI ranking look like for each team. So Skyview is still number one. Uh, Ridgeline has been moving up. They're now number six in the standings. Uh, Bear River is number eight, even though Bear River has a better overall record. Ridgeline has uh, won a few more games in region play, and uh, they're two and one. Where Bear River is one and two. Uh, Green Canyon is thirteenth in the state at uh, with a record of eight and seven. Logan is six and nine. They're number fifteen in the state right now. And then Mountain Crest, they're just they're struggling. They've Played a little more competitively on Friday. They just weren't able to get it done. They only have one win on the year, and they are dead last in the Region 11 standings and in the uh, UHSAA RPI standings as well. Uh, when it comes to girls basketball, uh, again, some really, really good teams getting good marks in the state for Region 11. Ridgeline is number 2 overall for girls basketball. They're 11-4 and four on the year, undefeated so far in a region play. Green Canyon is number five. They're at eleven and three, and Logan is number six. They're at ten and four. So those three teams in particular having great seasons and among the best in the state in girls four A basketball. Uh, Bear River is just outside the top ten at number eleven. They're at seven and eight overall. Skyview is number twelve at six and nine, and then Mountain Crest is at fourteen at six and nine, but zero and three in region play. Uh, No girls' basketball games tomorrow. Normally they do play on Tuesdays and Thursdays, but kind of a bye uh, week for them of sorts. They all get going again on uh, Thursday. But uh, interesting to see these matchups as we continue to get uh, deeper into the regular season, and uh, the home-and-home will start to play a factor here uh, within the next uh, week or two with these teams making return trips to their uh, other opponents. So that's the current standings. Uh, Ridgeline number 2 with the girls. Skyview number 1 with the boys. Great representation from Region 11 for both in uh, both standings in the 4A ranks.
3: Coming up next hour, more about Utah State and previewing I'm the Utah Dan Patrick, Jazz. And This is above the noise. Well, if you're a fan of X's and O's and the finer points of football, the Niners and Chiefs Super Bowl is the matchup for you. They got here in different ways. The Niners, by dominating on the ground, the Chiefs with their passing attack. But they both have smart offensive coaches. San Francisco with Kyle Shanahan, Kansas City with Andy Reid. And they have weapons. The Niners have found a star in running back, Raheem Mostert, George Kittle. He's one of the best tight ends. And receivers like Emmanuel Sanders in Debo Samuel take advantage of their chances. Meanwhile, the Chiefs feel like they can do anything with Patrick Mahomes at quarterback, throwing to star players like Tyree Kill and Travis Kelsey. The Super Bowl should be an interesting chess match. So far, no one's been able to figure out how to stop either team. There are great defensive players on both teams as well. Special team stars. Pretty much everything a football fan can want in a Super Bowl. That hopefully will live up to a considerable amount of hype. I'm Dan Patrick, and this is Above the Noise.